Well, tonight we're going to uh, finish up our lesson that we uh, started last week on the progressive life of faith. And we read through the book of Joshua chapter 1 last week. And instead of trying to cram it all in real fast, we just decided we'd come back this week and, and finish it. And uh, which uh, fits. Teresa had a couple... Uh, areas here we want to pray for at the end that if you're here tonight and you're having trouble with your esophagus then the Lord wants to touch you in your body tonight if you're having trouble in the area of diabetes and uh, or borderline or, or in that area uh, the doctor maybe said you're on the edge of becoming or something like that then we want to pray for you in that area and then also there was someone that just needed their faith to be built up tonight and so we'll do that with the word and then with prayer amen Hallelujah. So Joshua chapter 1, and I uh, just want to read the, the first eight verses here with you. And it says, After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, and them the children of Israel, and every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness to this and this Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So will I be with you. I will not leave you, nor what? forsake you be strong in what of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them only be strong in what very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go verse 8 this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, we're going to talk about that in a few moments here tonight. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Amen? Father, we thank you this evening in these next few moments that you will come and by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak into our lives. We ask you to bring clarity to our understanding. We ask you to bring insight, uh, new levels of insight into what we see in your word. And so, Father, we thank you tonight. Your word will be planted in our heart. It'll take root and it'll produce the harvest that you've declared for it to produce. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, look at the cover of your outline. And we did this last week. And I'm just going to say this because we've been talking about our Exodus season and God bringing us out. And I did this on the progressive life of faith. And even for us to know that even though God brings you out, it still means you're going to have a battle. So God promised them. He's brought them out. Now Joshua's leading them in. And he tells them, hey, you're going to have to be strong. Be of good courage. Nobody's going to be able to stand against you. You're going to have opposition. But it's going to be up to you to possess it. 
Amen. I've given it to you, but you have to go in and take that. And that's something that we forget a lot of times when it comes to our walk with the Lord, that God made man the authority in the earth. And man in relationship with God is an unstoppable force in the earth. You, in your life, in relationship with God, God's ordained that you would be an authority in the earth, that you would walk in authority, have authority, and be an overcomer. How many can say amen? That's the will of God for our life. But then so many times we're praying and asking God to do it. And he's telling you, I've given it to you. Possess it and take it. Do what you need to do. Are you with me? And so that's so important that we understand that. And as we said last week, when you look at Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, hey, that we, we have the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. So we have this armor. Then we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says the weapons of our warfare. So we've got armor. We've got weapons. We've got all do, doing this. And then Peter tells us, hey, our adversary, the devil. So we know we have an adversary. But in having an adversary, we've also been equipped with the armor and the weapons to defeat him. Amen. But the other part of that is the devil's just stupid. Even though he knows he's defeated, he, he likes to come out for another beating. Amen. So if he, if he likes getting whooped, I, I have no problem obliging him. And that just has to be your posture. Hey, the enemy comes against us. Every time you whoop him, he'll wait and he'll just come right back. And, and I don't mean this in, in so much of a negative standpoint, but if you look at the Middle East and you look at what's going on there, you look at the nation of Israel and that, they, they would fight their enemies. They would have a season of peace and the same enemy they whooped last time would come up against them again. And then God would give them the victory over them. And then they'd have a season of peace. And that same enemy would come back against them again. Then they'd whoop them. Then a few years later, that same enemy would come back against them again. And that pattern happens in your life and in my life. You get victory over the devil. And think, man, I, I got it good now. And then pretty soon that dumb devil just comes back again. Well, just rise up and whoop him real good again. Amen. So if he wants to volunteer for a beating, just be obliging. Amen. And so that's just the way we have to look at it. And so I want you to look at the cover here because I love this by Rick Godwin and we just need to, to uh, hear it again. So I'm going to read it and you can follow along. And I love this declaration because Rick wrote a, a great little book called Adversity, the Breakfast of Champions. I just like that title. Amen. That, that a lot of times I'll buy books just based upon the title. I used to buy some leadership books on that. One of them was uh, I was in the airport. I forget where I was flying, but I was in the airport and I was getting some snacks in there. And they have the, the books and the magazine racks in there and stuff. And I was looking at the books and everything. And they had one in there in, in a business and leadership section. And it was called Leadership by Attila the Hun. Attila the Hun on leadership. I said, but that's got to be good. And the guy's principle was, hey, that these were a bunch of mongrels. They're crazy guys. They're just wild people. And if this guy could organize them into a conquering army, he had to know something. So I, I like the premise of his concept. It was, it was an interesting read, praise the Lord. So watch this. And so Rick is just talking about adversity, and that's what we have to understand. But we have to have a posture. And this is called moving on the attack. Moving on the attack. And it's time, I said this Sunday morning on, on the message on getting in the game, and they say defenses win championships. But I was driving home after Bible school, and I was listening. It was offense that won the game. I mean, you, you can be on defense. Defense, you have to stop the other team. But then after you stop them, you have to have an offense that will score. And so it's the team that scores the most points, not the team that stops the most points. 
Amen. And so you, ha- you have to have an offense. So there's a point where you have a good defense, but then you have to move on to the attack. Every day and every way we press the attack on the devil. We take him, boldly tell him, I'm going to squander you. I'm going to ruin you in Jesus' name. I do not stupidly pick a fight, but I make it understand understood that from this moment on, as a believer in the Lord Jesus... Attack is going to be my posture. I'm in total and complete anger and rage in opposition against you on all fronts. I take everything you do personally. That'd be all right. I mean, just take it personally. Don't take what people do. Take what the devil does. Amen? Personally. I'm going to be a nightmare for you. From this moment on, I will learn the skills and do whatever it takes to be an overcomer. I will plead the blood of Christ, and I will turn his attacks into God's advantage. When Satan attacks, I will grow. When I come out of this valley, I will be bigger, better, and stronger than when I went in. Amen? Praise the Lord. So make attack your posture. And uh, as I said last week, and I said again Sunday morning, I'll just repeat it. See, when it comes to being on the attack, most people are waiting for God to move the mountain. But we want to have the same spirit of Caleb that says, hey, give me my mountain and rise up, be a possessor, be an overcomer, be a conqueror in the Lord. And so last week we went through this and I'm just going to give you a brief overview. And then we want to go through these four keys of courage uh, that possess the promise. But the progressive life of faith. And when we get saved, you know, Peter says, First Peter chapter 2 says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And our children grow up and they develop and their bodies develop. But spiritually, we should be having the same thing happening in our lives. And uh, in fact, j- just take your Bibles and go with me for a moment to Hebrews chapter 5. The book of Hebrews is a, is, is a powerful book. You, can, you could spend a whole lifetime just studying that one book and never really get all the depth of, that there is revealed in it. Amen. But Paul's writing about Jesus and he's explaining his ministry as the ministry of Melchizedek and his priesthood. But he says this. Verse 11, speaking, let's go back to verse 10. That he's called by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So he's writing to believers. So look at verse 12. For by this time you ought to be teachers. So Paul's saying here, he says, hey, that in our lives as Christians, we should grow to a place that if we've been walking with the Lord for a while, we should be to a place that we're able to teach others how to walk with God. We should be able to be disciplers, somebody who can come along, somebody else, and teach them how to live victorious in Christ. Amen? And, and victorious is more than just victorious in, in being able to have things or have, have stuff in your life or things like that. But it's learning how to live victorious over all the wiles of the enemy. How to be, uh, conquer every temptation that comes your way. How to be able not to be taken captive by the devil. Amen? How to be the overcomer that God ordained for us to be. But he says you need, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles, the oracles of God. And you have come have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, 
for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is those, now get this, who by reason of use. So we need to be using the word of God. And by reason of use, by making application of God's word, you have your senses uh, uh, sharpened to be able to discern both good and evil. So believers, we should be growing and we get to a place, that's what we want for our children to grow up, that they know how to make wise decisions. They can discern between good and evil. They're mature when we can trust them to make their own choices. Amen? And that's what he's saying here. Spiritually, we grow to that place where we're able to make the, the, the right choices. So it's a progressive life. We start out as babes, but we're to be progressing. We're to be moving towards maturity. Paul said in Philippians 3, hey, as many as are mature, let, let's, but let's keep pressing. Amen? So we, we get to that level of maturity, and we're growing, but we're always pressing. So faith in God is always a progressive life. There's never a place where we get to a level of just stopping. You always have to be on the prayer. The one thing the devil wants you to do is to believe you're saved enough. Now, you are saved. You can't make yourself any more saved. But he wants you to keep pressing and quit discovering all the riches of the depth of Christ. My Bible says they are the unsearchable riches of Christ. So that means we're supposed to keep searching and keep searching and, and keep hungering for the things of God. Never lose your appetite to keep growing stronger in the Lord. Amen? Because the devil's never going to quit coming as an, as an opposer to your faith. He wants to oppose your faith and move you out. So we understand the progressive life of faith. As believers, we are living this progressive life. It is a revealed life. It is a maturing life. And it is a possessing life. And, and in that, the, the, I love what God said to Joshua. Joshua, you're not just going to go in and possess, but you're going to cause this people to inherit. You're going to cause this people to receive what is theirs. And in your life, in my life, we need to be a Joshua to somebody. There should be somebody connected to our life and our faith that we're helping them possess their inheritance in Christ. Amen? That's what maturity does. It takes that position. So Joshua gives us these steps of progressive faith life. We find out that the old method under Moses, followed under Moses, was no good. Now there is a new path that God gives him. In verse 3, we recognize that what we do for the Lord must be done through the principle of faith. In verse 5, this fact is essential to the whole Christian life that nothing can stop or withstand faith when it is in action. Come on, when your faith is moving, you are an unstoppable force in God. Right. Amen. And then number 4, the enemy is already defeated and knows it. If we ever got that, the devil is defeated. He knows it. I said a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching on the cross, and we got it in, uh, in, in 2 Kings 10, or in 1 Kings chapter 10, where, where, where they, they, they kill the, the, the adversary, and then Joshua brings them out and says, hey, you guys all come around here, or in Joshua chapter 10, they, they, they have that battle, and they get to kill five kings out, and he gets the guys come out, get out here and put your foot on these guys' neck, on the king's neck. That just declares they're under your feet. They're a defeated foe. And when the Jesus said that he gives us power and authority over all the power the enemy and we tread upon serpents and scorpions that is symbolic of treading on the enemy the devil are you with me right. so we understand that but Bailey you got to remind yourself of that yeah. 
You, that's why Paul said to Timothy, hey, Timothy, there's a gift inside of you by the laying on of my hand, but you've got to stir it up. You have to fan it to a flame. You know, I have a, I have a, we, we heat our house predominantly with wood at home, and we enjoy that, and, and Sue likes that heat. I like that heat. I, I like a wood stove. I like that heat and everything, and so we like that. But you know what? I got, every now and then, I've got to put some more wood in the fire. You know, you can't just, well, Sue goes, is the fire going out? I said, well, have you put any wood on it lately? <laughs> he said, no, that's your job. Amen. But anyway, it'd be nice if we just start out and put, you know, some wood in there, fill it up once, and then never have to put wood in it again. That'd be awesome. I built a fire once, and you know, it's just still going. Glory to God. That's kind of the way we look at God. You know what? You know what? I, I, I was on fire for God once and doing that. Yeah, but you know, you might want to put some more wood on the fire. Not want to fan that flame up a little bit. Amen? Hallelujah. But it takes that. And that's why the Bible says that we encourage one another. We're to stir one another up. Encourage one. Hey, how you doing? How's your faith? I love when Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. He said, man, I wanted to find out how's your faith? How he says, I couldn't stand it any longer. And this is what he said. He said, lest that the tempter had tempted you and moved you off your faith because you heard what was happening to me. Paul said, I'm in prison. I'm being persecuted. I'm going through hardship. And then you think, oh, man, if Paul's having trouble, we, how can we make it? Yeah. And so he says, I, he says I, was, I was discouraged, and I needed to make sure that your faith wasn't our, our labor wasn't in vain, and your faith was holding on. So he said, I sent Timothy to you. And then when he came back, he said, man, I was encouraged to find out you're still fighting the good fight of faith. Amen? Think about that. It's called the good fight of faith. And so this life and having an exodus and having God bring us out, it means that we have to be fighters. Can you say amen? amen. So look down at the bottom there of the inside of that first page. The four keys to the courage that possesses the promise. Number one, such courage does not exist apart from faith. When the Lord said, Joshua, be strong and of good courage, you can't have that kind of courage apart from faith in God. I must really believe that something is true before I can be courageous enough to venture out on the basis of what I believe. I mean, you got to believe this is God's word. You just have to believe it. To be able to venture out on it and basically stake your whole, your very life upon it. Think about it. You can either sit and agree or you can act, rise up and possess. It's easy. A lot of times we just agree and, and we agree in church. We like to hear a good message and I agree with that message. But then when I go out, I, I go back to my natural side. And I do things out of my, my soulish realm and my mind, my will, and my emotion. But your spirit is totally different than your soul. Your spirit and your soul are two totally different entities in you. Your, your spirit is what makes your soul and, and brings your soul into order. Because if you're not being led by the spirit, the Bible doesn't say as many as are led by the soul are the sons of God. But as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. And God's spirit speaks to your spirit. And then out of your spirit, you keep your mind, your will, and your emotions under control. Because if you don't have something ruling over your mind, you have all kinds of crazy thoughts. Your mind just go everywhere. It always gets me. When I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and I'm just praying and interceding. I'm like, what is my brain doing? And it kind of like goes, well, you disengaged, so we're just having a party up here. 
I'm just thinking about it. I mean, you get everybody find out you did your praying in the spirit, and all you got thoughts coming everywhere, and so you just got to go, man. I'm I'm glad that this isn't coming out of there. I'm glad I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and He's saying something effective because what's happening up here is squirrely right now. Amen. And so faith has to go, man. I believe this is powerful and effective because what's up here is stupid and confused. Amen. So, but. Your spirit has to have control in that area, and you have to be convinced that the Word of God is true, and then you step out on that by faith. The promise was to possess all that they would tread upon. And I shared with you last week how I got that job going to Bible school, and other things we've done, walking around things, walking through buildings, walking through different places and things, and claiming. I remember when we, Bruce was putting up that Lord's gym, forever talked to him, I got in there, and I walked around and said, Lord, I just claim this for a Lord's gym right now, and then God just began to give us favor and doing that time after time several times I've used that and walked around and claimed things and stood on Joshua 1 and verse 3 amen? amen see faith lays hold of the promise and therefore is the basis of our courage or in other words faith acts faith has to have action connected to it when you just say man I, I'm, I'm standing in faith believing well standing in faith is good but then after you stand take a step Amen. Take some steps of faith in that stand. See, faith is not content to just be a spectator. What do we preach on Sunday morning? Get in the game. See, if I'm a man or woman of faith, I'm not content just to watch other people do church. I'm not content to watch other people do, do things in God. I want to be in the game. I want to participate. I want to be doing the things of God. I'm not content to watch other people lead someone to the Lord. I'm not content to watch other people pray for the sick. I'm not content to listen to other people prophesy. I'm not content just to be the one that's just speculating. I want to be one that God uses. Amen? And so faith refuses to be a spectator. The second principle is the principle of appropriation. And this is important in this area. Not only must there be a promise of God for us, but we must go and claim for ourselves that which God has promised. So God says that, but you have to go after it. You have to go after it. In so many years, no matter what it is, you have to go after it. Israel was to go and claim what God had already given to them, but they had to go and take it. For us today, this is done more by the confession of our faith and corresponding actions than it is by disposing inhabitants of the land. One of the greatest actions you can have is what you're saying out of your mouth. Your possession starts with your words. Amen. You know, this morning I, I was just making the bed and, and I was walking around and, and uh, before I left today and uh, the Spirit of God just started stirring this up on the inside of me. So I want to read this to you and uh, we're going to diverge from this outline just for a moment. But uh, I want you to turn your Bibles to Proverbs 18. We're going to start there. And when it comes to appropriation, the first step to appropriation is the words that come out of your mouth. If God declares the promise, you need to declare the promise. You, you need to look at what he said. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So you need to speak, the, you, you need to be speaking, confessing, and declaring the word of God. The number one way we possess the promise today is by the words of our mouth. 
by the fruit of our lips, by the confession of our faith. Jesus said like this, if you had faith, you would say, amen, and this mountain would move, this tree would be plucked up, and and the answer would be available, amen. So this isn't in your outline, but you can, uh, if you want to write this down, I'll just give you a couple highlight notes in this, but starting in uh, Proverbs chapter 18, you need to understand this. Your mouth is your greatest asset or your greatest liability. Your mouth is either your greatest asset or your greatest liability. Plain and simple. Because you're either speaking life or you are speaking death. Here's what happened. We say amen in church and then we walk out the door and say something totally different. We say amen when when, when we're hearing a good message, but then when we have to make a choice or we're faced with a challenge or we're temptation, the next thing that comes out of our mouth isn't the word. This word shall not depart from your mouth. You have to get where the word is what comes out of your mouth. How did Jesus defeat the devil? He said, it is written. And that is so important that you get the word of God in your heart. James chapter 1 says you have to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. The word of God will keep your mind, your will, and your emotions under control. It will keep you speaking the right things. Proverbs 18 verses 20 and 21. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. And from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. And people say, well, my life doesn't taste too good right now. It's probably because you're not sowing the right words. Amen. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it, eat, who love it will eat its fruit. Either love and death, or that's what I said. We're either speaking life or I'm speaking death. I, I listen to it all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. People in relationship, people talking ugly back and forth about, each, about their spouses. Well, you don't know what she does. I don't know. Well, you're speaking death over your relationship. And then you wonder why it's going south because the only thing you're sowing is death. You need to speak life over one another. You need to speak love over one another. Somebody should say amen. It doesn't matter what it is. Over your job, it doesn't matter what, whatever it is. Whatever you're saying is what you're receiving. You're not getting anything out of life except what's coming out of your mouth. Amen. Look, look at chapter 13. Because people say all the time, well, I don't know. It's just like when we start talking about the, the, a new building and the building. I'm believing for $300,000. I got excited the other day. I, I had a pastor call up. We were just praying together. And he goes, brother, let me pray for you before you go. And uh, he said, what can I pray for? I said, well, we're believing for a new building. We're, we're moving out. I'm believing for $300,000 this year. So he started praying and said, you know what? I just feel like there's a double portion anointing on there. And, and so, Lord, I, he's praying and says, Lord, I, I'm believing for that $300,000. But then, Lord, give him a million dollars on top of that Lord this is the double portion year so Lord I'm calling in 2.6 million I said glory to God I agree with you man I went from 300,000 to 2.6 million just like that I said I'll agree with that kind of prayer amen hallelujah it's a man it's a double portion year I said I'll take that in Jesus name amen Uh, Proverbs chapter 13, look at verses 2 and 3. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence He who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So if you blah, 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 blah. (laughs) 
well, I just don't want, everything's going bad, things aren't going good. Speak life. Do not speak death. Speak your answer, even in your prayer. Father, I thank you. I am the healed of the Lord. Oh, God, what am I? Not, oh, God, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to Oh, how are we going to do with that? What's going to happen? I'm so afraid. I'm so worried. And they go, man, I haven't been sleeping good lately. I wouldn't sleep good either if I had your mouth. <laughs> Amen. I'd be up all night. You'd have me scared. <laughs> Amen. I bet. Watch it. You listen to most people who tell you they don't sleep well. You listen to what they talk about. They're not speaking restful things. Amen. I speak in snores. Amen. Go to chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. Look at this. Look at verse 13 and 14. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. Wow. But the righteous will come through trouble. Woohoo! Verse 14, a man will be satisfied with good by what? The fruit of his mouth and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered unto him. So as I'm speaking and then as I'm putting my hands to the word, I get the reward that God has promised. Are you listening to me tonight? So important that you say right Dang. You have people get discouraged. They, they get in problems. They get offended over something. And then all that's coming out of their mouth is negative, negative, negative all the time. And then they wonder why things aren't going along. I listen to people talk about this. Oh, well, it's flu season. I seem to get the flu every year. Why would you say that? It's allergy season. Oh, there's a lot of pollen in the air. I, I bet my allergies are going to start acting up. Next thing you know, you're rough. Would you, come on, give yourself a favor. At least root for your own team. Most people are rooting for the other team to win. You listen to them, man, it, why don't you try being on your own side for a change? We're doing all right. Okay, cool. Now listen. There are two voices in the earth, the voice of faith and the voice of fear. There's only two voices, the voice of faith and the voice of fear. And you're either going to be speaking faith or you're going to be speaking fear. Or just two voices. Look at the disciples. They're in the boat. Lord, wake up. We're dying. We're drowning. We're perishing. Jesus said, please, please. If I'm asleep... How can you be perishing? See, they even thought God was going to drown. Yeah. Amen. God, you better wake up. You're about to drown. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Amen. There are two voices in the earth, the voice of faith and the voice of fear. God responds to the voice of faith, but the devil responds to the voice of fear. And our words open the door to one or the other. You're either opening the door up for God or you're opening the door up for the devil 
by your word. Why does God say to Joshua, Joshua, do not let this book depart from out of your mouth. Meditate in it day and night. Then, and, and observe to do all that is written therein. Speak the word and do the word. Speak the word and do the word. In fact, I, I was on searching again today. I'm going to find them. I, I've had this one on. I've wore it out. It, it's fading. But this is my bracelet. I've had this on for about six years now. I haven't had it off. This one right here. I wish I could find them. I tried to get Pastor Joe to get them, and the lady that we went through that got them before, uh, she's not, I can't even contact her anymore, but we ordered these years ago, it just says, what does the word say? And I just keep it on as a reminder, because we get and think, well, that's a good thought, but what does the word say? Speak the word and do the word. Speak the word and do the word. And because people go, well, what would Jesus do? Jesus would only do the word. Jesus said, listen to what Jesus said, I only do what I see and hear my father say and what I see him. All I'm doing is what I see him doing and what I hear him saying. And if we would live by that, I'm just going to do what I hear the word of God say. I'm just going to be a doer of the word. That's why James, be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Are you with me? And you begin by saying, and the more you speak the word, the more it, it renews your mind and it transforms the way you think and the way you see and your perception change and your faith is stronger. Now I'm just speaking the word. Now I'm believing because the word always produces faith. The word of God always builds up your faith. Are you with me this evening? So think about it. So what do I have to do? This is my challenge to you. Step back and survey the circumstances of your life and then survey the words of your mouth. Look at all the circumstances of your life, the conditions of your life, and then do a survey of how you talk. And what you'll find out is that your life is a reflection of your words. It'll happen 100% of the time. I guarantee you. You get people, our marriage is a mess. Well, let me just listen to you talk about each other for a few minutes. Yes, Ray and Jenny, they do counseling, everybody, and they come in. First way to start out, you go, man, I wouldn't want to hang around you either if you talk with me about that. I mean, know what I'm saying. It's going in. So if you get people to talk different about each other, you might have a chance of helping them. Amen? So just saying. So when you survey your circumstances and then you compare it to the words that are coming out of your mouth, you'll find out that your circumstances and your life is a reflection of your words. Go with me to Matthew chapter 12. Are you doing all right? Oh, well, Pastor, why are my words so important? Write this down someplace. There's no such thing as an idle word. No such thing as an idle word. Because every word is a seed. Every word you speak is a seed. Every word is a seed. What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 4? He said the sower went out and the sower sowed. He sowed seed. What, 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 what was the seed? Words. Words. The sower sowed the word. And the word, when it's received in the heart, see words spoken, words are spoken between people to go into their hearts. And words 
are seeds that contain a harvest. And words are a creative force. Everything we see, everything formed, the heavens and the earth, everything was formed by words. Everything was created by words. God created everything by the word of His power. Amen? God said, light be and light was. You read Genesis 1. Everything was created by a spoken word. Words are a creative force. Think about it. That's why you say, well, Pastor, how can you say, survey my words and I'll see my life? Because your words are creating your life. They're creating your attitude, your viewpoint, and then they're producing the harvest of what they contain. Amen. So think about it. Watch it. So there's no such thing as an idle word. Every word is a seed and has the potential to produce a harvest. Look at uh, uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what? Good thing. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. Sounds like Proverbs there. But I say to you, watch this, that for every idle word men shall speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Wow. Jesus said, for every idle word we speak, we'll give an account in the day of judgment. How many want to get some words under the blood real quick? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Why? Look at verse 37. Now watch, watch this, watch this. Look, look at, now, it, do you have a red letter Bible? All right, now what? For by your words you will be justified. By your words you will be... Wow. Wow. So we're talking about possessing. And appropriating. And for you and I today, the way we defeat the enemy, the way we possess the promise begins with the confession of our mouth. Believing the word and declaring the word. When God has said, I've called you and I've appointed you and I've sent you, then we'd start speaking in agreement with God's word. That's how we possess the promise today. Out of the confession of our faith. Amen. And then have actions that agree with what we're saying. Praise the Lord. So look at what he said. By your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be contained. Why? Because words are the creative force of God. I want you to think about it. Everything was formed and framed by his word. Man is the only creature in God's creation with the creative power of speech. There's some amazing animals and creatures in creation. You watch different things and watch different animals and all the different things and stuff. And you go, man, that's awesome. But only man has the power of speech. And those words, carry were made in the image of God. And God creates by His Word. And you and I create by our Word. And we possess with our words. Are you with me tonight? So important for us to understand that, how powerful our words are. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. Is this okay? Yes. Mark chapter 11. Just take this week and really stop and think about it. Do that survey. Look at different things. Where are areas not going? Especially when it comes to your body and your health. We're so health conscious today. 
Bless God. Get back to being, be health conscious, but first of all, be faith conscious. Amen. Amen. Do right stuff. Eat the best you can. Do the best you can. You know, I know I, I, get, I get convicted about my eighth Oreo. But bless God, I'm washing it down with milk. Amen. I have balance in my life. Amen. But, but just, you know, but, but in doing that, be good to yourself. If you're not doing things, if, you do, if you're not doing things in moderation, if you're being excessive in an area, then just be good to yourself. You don't have to live in fear about everything. Amen. We just don't, well, this is coming out, that, this causes it, that causes that. We just found out that this causes this and this causes that. I just found out that if I eat any deadly thing, it shall not harm me. Amen. This is what I found out. That, that if I'm doing the will of God. That God will preserve my life to do His will. He has a purpose for my life. We had a lady years ago that, that, that uh, she passed away. And that they actually ended up moving uh, down to Stockton, Sacramento, and then to Stockton. And that. But, but they were just a dear couple when we first started out. And so they took us to the Believers. They're paying for us to go to the Southwest Believers Convention. So we're flying to the Believer's Convention. But she is afraid of flying. And so they pay our way. They take Sue and I to go to the Believer's Convention with. So we get on the plane. I'm on one side of the aisle. She's on the other. And she's reaching across. Pastor, pray for me. I'm so afraid. I said, we're going to the Believer's Convention. Let's at least believe we make it there. Now, see, that's funny, but you have some areas in there that you're the same way. I'm going to the Believer's Convention. I hope I don't die before I get there. Glory to God. And then we wonder. <laughs> and, so, and so I have to reach across the aisle. She's grabbed my hand. My hand was shriveled like this for three days. He squeezes so hard. We're praying in tongues. And then the plane gets, oh, good. We got off the ground. Glory to God. And I'm going, man, now we've got to land. Reach across the aisle again. Get her on the ground. Hallelujah. I just go, wait a minute. I said, this claim's not going down. I'm on this plane. I'm in the will of God. Yeah, just stand up every now and then. Be rest assured. We will arrive safely. I am on this plane. Wherever I'm, I'm in the will of God. I'm living for God. I'm not living my own life. I'm not self. God's called me. I've given my life to Him. I'm going to live for Him. So He's going to get me where I'm going. He has something He needs to accomplish. He wants to do something in the earth. And He has to do it through our life. And so if I'm doing the will of God, God's going to preserve me. And He's going to keep me to accomplish His will. Are you with me? So have faith in God preserving you and giving you life. And then cut it back to six Oreos in milk. Hallelujah. Amen. Mark 11. Watch this. Mark 11 verse 23. Jesus just says this. See remember faith has a voice and fear has a voice. Mark 11 23. Jesus said. For assuredly I say to you. Whoever says. To this mountain. Be moved and cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart. But believes that those things he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he what. So Jesus, Jesus is telling the disciples, faith has a voice, and when it speaks out of your life, it receives what it declares. Right. Amen. 
You can write these verses down. Luke, Luke 17, 6. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, If you had faith, you would say to this sycamore tree, Be plucked up by the roots and cast into the sea, and it would obey you. Wow. So what is Jesus saying? He says, Realize the creative force of your word, the powerful force of your words. You're made in the image of God. And when God speaks, Chris referenced in, in, in the offering tonight that God says in Isaiah 55, my word does not return to me a void, but it accomplishes what I send it to do. And if we ever get convinced that we are God's children and we have His authority and we have His name and when we speak in the authority of His name and we're speaking by the Word of God, then what we're declaring is going to come to pass. Which is why John said in 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything in His name, then we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Amen? And so, how do you possess? The principle of appropriation isn't just by dispossessing people, but we're on this because it comes through your confession, and it comes through your declaration. It is so important how you speak. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let, let me give you the last part of this. Everything man does, he first speaks into existence. Amen. I love it. I, mean, I remember when John Kennedy said, we will put a man on the moon. People start saying, I believe we could put somebody on the moon. Everything you have was spoken into existence. Everything man does is first spoken into existence. Words are the creative force and they're the key to you possessing your inheritance in God. So what do you do? Change your words and you will change your world. Just change the way you talk. Amen. Kind of that old saying, you hear somebody cussing and carrying on and say, Ooh, you kiss your mama with that mouth? Amen. Well, just think about this. Oh, you worship God with that same mouth? Because the Lord said you can't have two things come out of the same fountain. Amen. Can't have blessing and cursing coming out of the same fountain. So you got to speak life. Amen. Speak life. Speak life. Amen. To do that, you must first change your heart, though. To change your words, you have to change your heart. For our words flow out of the treasure of our heart. Amen. So the only way to change your heart is just really be born again. Amen. Get your mouth saved. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. That's why James, look what James says. The hardest thing to do is tame the tongue. Because what happened? Because we, before we got saved, we were just soulish creatures. We lived out of our emotion and we lived out of our mind. And so we, we, we naturally respond out of our soul. And if you live out of your mind and out of your emotion, then, then you're just going to speak. And you have to stop and say, wait a minute, no, I'm, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to be a Spirit-controlled. I'm born of the Spirit. I, I have control. That, that, that's why Jesus said, in your patience, possess ye your soul. In your patience, take authority over your soul. Keep your soul under control. Keep your mind under control. Something like this. People say, well, Pastor, how do you stay at peace? I think very little. I do. Amen. 
I mean, I have a thought and then I act on it, but I'm not going to sit there and worry over it. How many know what I'm saying? I'm not going to stay up all night worrying about it. Well, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? What are we going to do this? So you start, you start talking to people about building. Well, where are we going to get it? How are we going to do it? I don't know, man. If I start thinking like that, I'd just be sitting in the corner going. God's, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe God. That's what I'm going to do. God, man, I, I lived all these years. God got me to here. He's well able to keep us going. Amen. I'm going to believe God. God's going to lead us. He's going to direct us. Amen. So I'm just going to be led by the spirit. But if I'm over there worrying it, figuring it out, I'm not being led. I'm trying to fix it for him. <laughs> all right, let's finish this up. We doing all right? You still love me tonight? Hopefully I encourage you. Amen. So watch this. So for us today, this is how we conquer through our confession. Number two, we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that those things that we say will come to pass. We confess and believe in agreement with God's word. Amen? Amen. Speak and agree. Not just being saved, you just do that. What saith that the word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith which we preach. Amen. Salvation encompasses more than just being born again. It's a full life that God purchased for you. And so we're possessing the fullness of our redemption in Him. That's our promise. Courage is dependent upon faith and faith that goes out and appropriates what God has given. That's why James says, faith without works is dead in James chapter 2. See, God gives, but man must take. This makes religious people uncomfortable. Reasoning will make you a spectator, not a possessor. That's what we talked about on Sunday morning. I said traditional mass and culture conformity. Yeah. Amen. And you get caught up in that, it'll just make you a spectator. So will religion. See, Romans 8.32 said that God had, didn't withhold His own Son. How shall He not with Him also freely give us what? All things. As God's given us Christ, He's going to take care of you on every level. Amen. Think about it. These are remarkable promises. In order for us to receive these things, we must believe what God said and then accept it with the action needed to take it. Courage depends on faith, and faith depends on the promise made in order to go and possess. Courage depends on faith, but faith is based on the promise. God's declared it. Joshua and them just got it, and they just kept running, and as long as they kept going, but the, as soon as they got distracted and felt this is good enough, this is far enough, we possessed enough, this is good, they let off, and then the enemy started taking ground again. Amen. So we just keep possessing all the way. Amen? As long as you're alive, just look at your neighbor and tell them, as long as you're alive, keep fighting. Amen. All right, let's finish this. Fulfillment of the promise depends on the faithfulness of the one who made the promise. How sure is the promise? Can I depend upon it? The answer lies in finding out who made the promise. Who made the promises in your Bible? Do you think he's dependable? Amen. How many are glad God's not a politician? Amen. I, I like one thing. Donald Trump's about as squirrely as you could ever get for a president. He just makes absolutely no sense at all. Amen. And he, he doesn't understand politics at all. All, all he knows is do, he's just doing presidency the way he's done his whole life. Yeah. He doesn't know anything about being a politician. 
He didn't run as a politician. He didn't run in. He said, I built a great business. I'll, I'll make our country better doing that. And so, and he's, do, he's doing a lot of stupid stuff that doesn't fit in the area. But that's who we elected. That's right. Amen. But at the same time, at least he's doing what he said he would do. Yeah. And that's making. And they're going, well, he's doing it too fast. Well, business people, government doesn't do things fast. Government says they're going to do it. And then they give you a reason why they can't do it now that they said they were going to do it. I know I made those promises, but you know, this can't happen. Don't say, no, I told the people I was going to do it. We're going to do it. Right. Amen. We're going to do it. Just keep pressing, keep forcing the issue. and stuff. So I respect him for that. But most of the time people say, well, you know. And once they say, well, you know, they just said, we're not going to do it. But God never said, you know, I promised it, but you know. I know I said that in there. I bet there's promises, but you know. That isn't what God does. God said, my word, I sent my word, as Chris said, I sent my word, and it will accomplish what I, it's not going to return to me until it does what I sent it to do. And all you got to do is just say, I, I agree. I agree. Amen. And the word comes to pass. So faith believes in the one who is faithful and promised. It is God who is promised. That's what Romans 4 said. Abraham considered him who promised able to do it. Praise the Lord. Think about it. We have the same promise in the Lord. God promised Joshua not to leave him or forsake him. And we have the same promise in the Lord. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he gave us a promise of his peace and his presence. Go with me to Numbers chapter 23. we got to quit. We don't have enough time to finish it all. We'll tie this into something next week. Or you can read it. You can say, This is so simple. You can study it out for yourself. I think you got the most of it. Amen? Amen. Numbers chapter 23. Look at this. Verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man. If you just get over that, God's not a man that he should lie. Nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do it? Amen. Or has he spoken, and will he not Make it good. Now write this verse down. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Faithful is he who called you, who will also do it. Father, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you, Father, that you call us to be a people of faith, to live by faith, to walk by faith, not by sight. So, Lord, tonight we purpose that we are going to possess. We're going to live the progressive life of faith. Lord, as David said, Father, set a guard over the words of our mouth. Set a guard over the words of our mouth. That we would speak only right things concerning you. That we would agree with life and not death. And that we would speak life and not death. Father, help us to do a survey over our life. Help us to get our heart and our minds in agreement with your word. Holy Spirit, do your work within us. Father, tonight we just thank you. We thank you for your word that is true. We stake everything we are upon it, not just our life. Father, we have eternity staked upon your word. We believe you. We trust you. We're going to walk with you and receive in Jesus' name.